Hello and welcome to Two Bald Men and Friend, the show where we talk about issues and ideas using pop culture as the springboard. I'm your host, Joe, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex. Hi. And today we are joined by our friend, Ramona. Hi. Today we're talking about 13 Reasons Why and mental health awareness. So spoiler alert for 13 Reasons Why, seasons one and two. And based on the nature of today's episode, we're going to be getting into some very heavy topics. So, uh, trigger warning for suicide and sexual assault. If anyone hasn't seen 13 Reasons Why, it's a show about a young girl who decides to kill herself, but before she does, she records cassette tapes, and each one is dedicated to a person who wronged her, and she's explaining how what they did to her led her to commit suicide. You guys have anything to add to that? Yeah, uh, just to point out, um, it was based off of a book. Um, as they get into season two, they don't have any more source material, so they sort of delve off into their own thing, and it's pretty noticeable. Yeah. <laughs> They definitely, in season two, tried to be, like, as relevant and, I guess, edgy as possible, yeah. being like, what's the hot-button issue that everyone's tweeting about that we can put on our show? I kind of felt like it, I was watching kind of two, almost two different shows from season one to season two, honestly. They were, I feel like they were so, so different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they tried to keep the same structure, and they were like, mm -hmm. what people liked about season one was the mystery so let's add more mystery to season <laughs> mm -hmm. two. Make it like a like a film noir. <laughs> let's add information that would drastically change the events of season one mm -hmm. with this new information added. But uh, you know, hey, it's it's Netflix. Like, what? Are, who's gonna notice? <laughs> we yeah. did. I actually didn't know that this was a book until you know I knew I was coming onto this podcast, but I didn't know. It was a book or anything. So I'd be really curious to see like how it compares the book and the show. Yeah. Have either of you guys read the book? I haven't, but I've heard people say that the book has been like one of their favorite books. Mm. And then that's coming from people with mixed opinions on the show. So there were people that loved season one and loved the book. And there were people that loved the book and were very disappointed in the adaptation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um... I did read 13 Reasons Why, and the book definitely is less romanticized when we're, they're talking about suicide versus the uh, show. But when the book came out, there was just as much controversy of people saying that this isn't appropriate because it's um, a girl basically getting revenge, which is a big part of, for some people, when they are impulsively thinking of committing suicide versus it being a long-term depressive aspect. Yeah, I um, the thing with the tapes, I think, I'm not sure if it's actually ever happened, but I doubt it would because you mentioned suicide is often impulsive and caused by depression. So a depressed person who's made this rash decision isn't going to go, okay, now let me just uh, last out the next couple of weeks so I can go to all these locations and record tapes mm -hmm. on cassette. Yeah. Which I think they did explain why, but I forget the reason. Well, the book came out long enough ago. Yeah, but in the, in the show, she they had to specify. You're probably wondering why this isn't like an MP3 and it's on a cassette. Well, it's this reason, but I forgot why. Yeah, I forgot the one of the reasons for yeah. that one. 
But, um, yeah, that was a big issue that I had with the show. I'll be honest, when I first watched it, when it first came out, I was interested because I was interested in the whole premise of the show. Um, I'm going to school for mental health counseling. And the way this show was pitched, I feel like, was it was going to start a conversation and have this an issue like suicide and depression be more covered in, you know, media. But I feel like the way it was done was not really based in any kind of research. I feel like I would have felt better about the show if they were just like, this is just, you know, a show based on a book, not let's have a show to start a conversation. Because like you said, a person who's truly depressed is not going to have A, the motivation or B, the energy to go through all of those steps to do that. And I feel like it's just perpetuating this idea that people who commit suicide are selfish and um, don't care about the people around them, which they touch on a little bit on season two, but I not still, enough. Not really. enough, not at all. Yeah. Um, I'll say when I watched season one, I enjoyed it. I saw many flaws in it, but overall I was seeing a conversation be started. Um, one thing that I would mention though is the fact that it's so easily accessible and on Netflix, I felt uncomfortable thinking about sixth, seventh, and eighth graders watching this show without like talking with anyone about it. Mm -hmm. And it just being a show that they just add to their list. When I watched it, like I reached out to different people to like digest certain episodes and say like, wow, this is how I felt. And I want to like work through this. And that's because I was an adult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I can't imagine like middle schoolers or even high schoolers going through that mental process of I should talk this out with someone. So it definitely made me uncomfortable how easily accessible season Mm -hmm. one and season two are. But if it had more like warnings behind it and potentially made it was made in a way where if people were accessing it, it's because they also had the resources to be able to talk it out with someone. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea how that Mm -hmm. condition could be set. (laughs) Yeah. I'd be more comfortable defending season one. Mm -hmm. So I just watched season one and two um, in preparation for this episode. So when I watched it, both seasons started with the cast giving a warning about the nature of the show. And I don't remember if they specifically said like, watch this with a parent if you're below this age, but they might have said like, if you need to reach out to a parent or a trusted adult or whatever that was. But I heard that wasn't on the original airing. It wasn't. After everyone kind of gave them a lot of backlash, then they were like, well, I guess we need to add a warning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They did have a talk back at the end of the season where they, it auto, for at least for me, it auto started um 13 beyond 13 reasons why um but that might be too little too late if i just watched the whole season of something that i may not should have watched and you brought up middle schoolers watching this or like younger than that watching this and this could be said of any young adult um high school drama but those kids are gonna watch this and go i guess this is what high school is like yeah yeah i i mean i I'm not against the idea of them depicting these kinds of things in like teen dramas because at the, at the at its core I feel like that's what the show is. I didn't just alone from the subject matter, I didn't think it was that great of a show. It was kind of generic to me like any other teenage drama, mm-hmm. but just adding this big, you know, social aspect to it that, you know, is is starting a conversation, but I'm not sure if it's starting it in the right way. 
and focusing it on the right things. I just feel like some of it was kind of done in poor taste. And again, the fact that the show was, I think, pitched in a way of like, this is going to be something good. This is going to give people better attitudes about things. And we're making this show for people who are going through these issues, but then put a disclaimer in the front saying, if you're going through these issues, it's probably not a good idea that you watch this show. So I feel like they maybe should have listened to the criticisms they got a little bit more of people saying, hey, we like the idea of what this was, but maybe do it in a different way. Because, you know, I've, you know, I love a good, a good drama, reality <laughs> TV or whatever. I used to watch Degrassi a lot when I was younger. And they would have a lot of episodes like dealing with things like suicide, sexual assault. And there were disclaimers in the beginning and kind of debriefs at the end, but it was kind of sprinkled throughout the show. It wasn't the whole premise of it. And that was like, hey, we're, it's a you know typical high school, but in that typical high school experience, you're going to have sprinkles of this going on. Not like, this is what high school is. Yeah, and <laughs> I think the issue with 13 Reasons Why, I mean, I mean, we could unpack all the issues with it, but <laughs> I think how you're saying Degrassi um, was like sprinkled throughout those talkbacks, um, I think because 13 Reasons Why was on Netflix rather than network TV, they were like, well, people are going to binge this anyway, so they'll be done, you know, in like a day and a half, so we don't have to do two episodes and then a talkback and then two episodes and then a talkback. They were like, they'll watch the whole series and then it'll auto-start our talkback series, which I think was just kind of short-sighted. I think so, too. Um, you mentioned season one was, like, kind of getting at starting a conversation. I'm very on the fence of season one. My biggest complaint with it is, like, the acting and the dialogue, and then mm -hmm. all the quote-unquote problematic stuff. I was kind of like, oh, I could see, like, either side, like, defending it or saying why it's wrong. But then when season two came along, it really seemed like rather than taking the feedback and criticism that they got, the showrunners were like, well, how do we push the envelope even mm -hmm. harder? Yeah. Yeah, what can beat suicide? Yeah. Yeah, and then they just took all of that and threw it into one thing. But I will say, I some things I... I think I liked season two better than really? season one. I'm not sure, because there's different things. I think that formulaically... I think season one was better. I think season one was a better show, but I didn't like the way that it covered these issues. I thought that that was very poorly done. I think season two, I think it was very... I wrote, I found myself rolling my eyes a lot at all, some of the lines and a lot of the dialogue, but I could see that they did take some criticism in how they depicted certain things. I liked the way that they kind of depicted things like PTSD and panic attacks, I think it was very accurately portrayed because I feel like when in TV shows when they say someone's like having a panic attack, they just start crying or things mm -hmm. like that. And I have one scene of Jessica in, you know, um, the dressing room and she, you know, it's like she just can't breathe. Like she's grabbing her chest. Like that's what a panic attack is. It's not just an anxiety attack. Like you feel like you're having like a heart attack. You can't breathe. Mm -hmm. So I kind of appreciated that aspect where it's like, okay, they think they took a little bit of an extra step and was like, what is it really like? to go through these things. Again, it wasn't perfect. There was a lot of things they fell short on, but I could see that they were maybe trying a little bit. But as a show itself, like dialogue and stuff, I didn't think was that great. Yeah, I saw in season one, it was a lot of pointing fingers. Mm -hmm. um, obviously in Hannah's tapes, she's giving reasons why she uh, committed suicide. And 
there wasn't too much opportunity for each character to say, wait, no, it wasn't my fault, or even maybe it was my fault, but I want to redeem myself somehow. Mm -hmm. And I think season two gave that opportunity for different characters to quote unquote, like learn a lesson. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, that also starts a conversation of, well, then was it their fault? Because no, it, it wasn't anyone who yeah. um, commits suicide. It's always one person's fault while everyone else maybe could have done more, but there's no way to know what everyone is going through or how you're affecting everyone all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think season one in particular, but I'm sure they have it again in season two, there are a couple scenes where the people involved say, we didn't kill Hannah, Hannah made a choice. But they're presented as not wanting to take responsibility of what they did. And then they are immediately um, responded with, no, it was all our fault. We did this. And I think that's a dangerous like point to make. It's so dangerous. If you just keep... Like, I think they can have your actions affect others, but also ultimately it mm -hmm. was Hannah's choice. But they keep reinforcing, no, you drove Hannah to this choice. This is your fault. That's my biggest issue with this entire show. Um, I feel like suicide is something that's not talked about and I feel like it should be talked about more But when it is it's not in the right way. I feel like on social media I get so mad when people are like be nice to everybody like you never know what impact you have on someone You could be as nice as you want to somebody, but that's not gonna cure their depression. Yeah, this focused a lot on like depressive episodes that are caused by trauma mm -hmm. and it doesn't address like the mental illness that could be genetic and that type of depression mm -hmm. So that does make it difficult for people to be like, well, it's your fault or not your fault to do this and do that. Yeah, there was only, I think, one real mention of um, the a prosecutor to the mother being like, what kind of mental health issues are in your family? Did you ever take hand to counseling? And that was like maybe like a 10, 15 minute exchange in the whole, in a whole two seasons of shows that made me so angry. Where I'm like, why wasn't this brought up first? But the first thing that was brought up was like, Hannah killed herself because she was bullied. And even on, when I see it on the news, it's like teen drove to suicide because of bullying. That could have been the last straw, mm -hmm. but it's not like this teenager, I think it's totally throwing out the idea that maybe they were suffering through something having to do with their mental health far beyond that. Mm -hmm. And that scene where the prosecutor asks, um, did you bring Hannah to see if she had any mental illness? The mom says no, but then the mom still comes away with, well, this isn't my fault. Mm -hmm. This is someone else's fault. When it's like, this could have been like, yes, there are people that like hurt Hannah, but ultimately no one necessarily needs to be blamed. Mm -hmm. Like that you just said, you don't know if she had some sort of deeper mental illness at play. Like this could have just been, I don't want to say inevitable, but like there might have just been, you know, mm -hmm. inside factors that weren't known. Yeah, the, the main thing I think about is the counselor. Um... I think he he wasn't accountable at all for it. I'm going, you know, for for school to school for counseling, and we have like two divisions of our program where it's student um school counselors, what the counselor in the show was, and then mental health counselors. In either one, if they if it's true, if they do not explicitly say the words "I want to kill myself," we're not held accountable for anything that happens. They need to explicitly say that. And what he should have done maybe was ask some more questions. He might have, you know, had to 
ask a, you know, keep a better eye on her. I think the issue of him kind of, like, brushing off the sexual assault part was wrong. But I feel like a big focus on the show was, like, he didn't do anything. Like, he didn't make her come back. He can't. Like, there's lo- <laughs> if she wants to leave, he can't make her come back. That's another thing where I'm, like... I feel like should have been maybe researched a little bit more where it's like he in the real world he wouldn't have been held accountable at all. He literally did everything that he could. And I think one aspect of the show that I appreciated was depicting everyone's guilt. So mm-hmm. yes, the guidance counselor should not be held accountable. It makes sense why he would feel guilty and why everyone individually blames themselves at least a little bit. Absolutely. But there's this one scene um after clay finally listens to his tape he's with tony and he and tony wanted to make sure that he listens to it with him so that he doesn't do anything reckless and he like holds clay down and is like no this wasn't your fault this wasn't anyone's fault this was her decision and it was the one time where joe you mentioned that it wasn't then followed by no it is my fault it was the one time where it was like, oh, ultimately, you're right. Someone who commits suicide, it's a decision and it's not necessarily like it's difficult to get into this aspect of like how much control they truly had with their own decision. So I'm not trying to dismiss that. But overall, we can't be blaming other people either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the end of the day, one thing um, that we're always taught as someone who's going into the mental health fields is... That at the end of the day, someone who decides to take their own life, it doesn't really become a decision anymore because for them, that's the only thing. That's their only option. Even if that's not true, that's what they honestly believe. So it's not an option of do I fix the problem or do I commit suicide? There's only one option for them. So when you only have one choice, it doesn't become a decision anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's how they're thinking about it in their heads. So Right. And everyone around that person can always feel, I could have done more. Mm -hmm. And that guilt exists, but I think the show could have done a better job of pointing out, no, like don't feel that, or not don't feel that way, but sort of digest that emotion appropriately and move forward with that knowledge and see what you can do later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so Ramona, you brought up the idea of these people don't view this as like a choice they have to make. It's just, well, this is the only thing I can do. Mm-hmm. One scene that drove me bananas from season two was at Hannah's wake or funeral after party, whatever it was. Um, <laughs> it's basically what it was. <laughs> which is fine if that's what you want to do. I'm not saying that's like not a common thing, but um, I just don't know what, if there's like a real word for it. But Hannah's mom gives Clay a list that Hannah wrote, and it says reasons why not. Two of them are Clay, and her mom goes, she got 11, she came up just short, and I texted Alex, like, I rolled my eyes so hard, I was like, yep, that's how it works. <laughs> you make a pros and cons list and hope one has more than the other. Like, mm-hmm. it, I just think that's yeah. a, like, they really missed the mark on trying to portray um depression and um suicide yeah that scene infuriated me (laughs) i myself have done um suicidal risk assessments with with actual clients and there's a whole 
it, it's a it's a whole it's like a five to six page packet of all just like a checklist of questions you have to ask but you kind of have to remember them and ask them in the moment um part of the assessment is protective factors so you try to ask things like so if i let you leave right now what are you going to do after this if they're like oh, i'll probably go home make a sandwich or do this do that you don't hold them as much as a risk because they're making future plans or and then you go through other protective factors like if you were to make this if you were to do this who would you be leaving behind and how do you think they would feel about it if they say something like there's really no reason for me to stay around if they're like well you know i have kids or you know my friend or this boy that i like then you kind of use that to further assess it seems like hannah literally made a pros and cons list yeah. which is again something who someone who is truly suffering from depression and struggling with this choice is doesn't have the the energy or anything to do that so i don't know i feel like it was it, the whole thing which is brought up it was just a lot of drama that they wanted to add to it and i feel like that's dangerous with the kind of subject matter that they're dealing with, especially under the guise of let's start a conversation and let's start awareness. You're starting the wrong kind of awareness because you're making a picture of this that isn't accurate. Yeah. Um, one thing that I thought of and branching a little bit away from suicide, but still mental health awareness was when there was a walkout protest and some people sort of turned it around and were like, instead of walking out, why don't you walk up? to someone who's lonely and help them out. And it was really frustrating for me to hear this type of conversation because it again goes back to this idea of victim blaming basically, of if you don't want school shooters, then be nice to people. Mm -hmm. And that really doesn't add up in any context. <laughs> um, speaking of that, I think, uh, this is gonna sound weird, but I think Tyler being depicted as a school shooter kind of I don't want to say made sense but I liked how even though like you said like bullying isn't the only thing that causes this this is um, an indicative of a bunch of other factors that might include bullying um, and it seemed Tyler was just bullied but he his stuff happened in the background and no one was really paying mm -hmm. attention and it reminded me of this ad campaign where it's these two kids and like one gives one a Valentine's Day card and then like they start talking and then they meet in the library and you basically see them progress in their relationship and then at the end a kid like kicks down the door and starts shooting people and then they play the commercial back and in the background you can see this kid like showing signs. Mm -hmm. um, so I, not to disagree with you, but I do think it's a very real idea of notice these kinds of signs and like be aware of them but you you shouldn't be held accountable if someone right. does this yeah there's a huge difference between like trying to help out people and trying to prevent a school shooting <laughs> yeah yeah and that's the thing i feel like on um on the internet especially we just heard this week about um kate spain and anthony bourdain um dying by suicide and it's and I knew it was going to happen. It sparked a lot of conversation on Twitter, which I appreciate in that it's a conversation that's happening. 
And I'm a very strong believer of we shouldn't only be talking about these things after something horrible happens. The same way we shouldn't only be talking about gun control after another school shooting happens. And I've been seeing a lot of people saying, like, just be nice to everyone or give, you know, give love and positivity to everyone because you never know how that can affect someone. You could be, like, saving someone's life. I feel like that's, yes, you should be nice to everybody. And, but at the end of the day, if someone is really going through something, a mental health problem, that might not be enough. Um, I feel like that's minimizing enough to just be like, by me telling this person like, hey, you're worth it, that brought them off the edge. They have tons, a lot of people that are telling them this. They're, um, someone could be going to counseling for years and then one day still um, take their own life. It's, it's a thing about accountability where mm -hmm. instead of saying, hey, be nice to everybody, it's like, no, let's, let's educate people on what the actual signs are. Right. Um, and what to look out for. And I've seen a lot of people come back with, hey, instead of you guys are talking a lot about being nice to everybody and talking about Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, but how about just check on your friends who you may notice are going through things, but you don't necessarily talk to them about it because they're your strong friend or you think that they can handle it. Mm -hmm. I think that's even more important. Like, yes, keep an eye on the people around you, but also don't just think that just by you saying like, hey, I'm here for you. Yes, that's helpful, but that's not going to be the only thing that is, you know, going to push them off the edge or right. take yeah. them off the edge. I, speaking of Twitter, I saw a tweet recently where this person said basically that, where they were like, check in on your friends, but they also kind of badmouthed the suicide hotline. And they were like, we don't want to talk to a stranger on the phone. We want to talk to our friends. Check in on your friends. But then they don't offer, like, what to do. They just say, check in on your friends, and mm -hmm. that'll fix everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of a dangerous idea um, to be like, yeah, all you need is someone to talk to. And then all of a sudden, everything's fixed. You don't need medical professionals. You mm -hmm. don't need, you know, love and support 24-7. Just you saying, like, hey, I'm here for you. Yeah. is going to fix everything. Yeah. Um, I have two points to bring up. Uh, one of them was my friend Monica posted on Facebook, and it was this really strong quote that I really connected with was, people who need help often look a whole lot like people who don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then a collection of tweets that I found, which goes back to, Ramona, what you were saying about positivity culture, um, and it says that positivity culture is trite and immature to me. I like to be around people who recognize nuanced emotions, reality, and structural issues. Many positivity-only people are benevolent on the surface, but bigoted victim blamers beneath it, mm -hmm. and can't structurally analyze anything. Victim blaming is at the root of positivity-only, American excep exceptionalism, uh, bootstrap theory, prosperity gospel, and the secret. And it's this mentality of you are responsible for yourself and you're also responsible for anyone else. And it's not taking into account all of the nuances that we're referencing, all of the mental conditions that we could be going through and all of the trauma that we've all experienced. It's often a matter of, well, if you truly wanted it, you'd get it. Mm -hmm. Well, just cheer up. <laughs> Don't you know how many people have it worse than you? <laughs> Wow, that fixed all of my problems. That is <laughs> You're totally welcome. right. <laughs> I'm glad I checked in. <laughs> I actually went to um, 
a talk that was given by the Mount called on Mental Health First Aid that was given by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. That was just that, how to approach a friend if you think that they might be going through something. Like, the things to say, the things not to say. Um, a lot of people say, like, never use the word suicide because, and they bring it up in the show, because then it'll get ideas in their head. No. No one's going to be sitting there, have no um, suicidal ideation, but as soon as you bring up the word suicide, they're like, you know what, maybe, Why? yeah. <laughs> now that you bring it up, like, no, that just doesn't happen. Um, and I don't like that people are like, no, you know, don't even bother sharing these hotlines. I feel like that's so, that's such a dangerous thing to do, because maybe there are some people who do, don't have anybody to talk to. There's um, homeless people who are suffering from mental health issues. They don't have family or friends to check in on them. A mental health hotline might be their only outlet. If they don't have that, they have nothing. So I, that's another thing. You're also assuming there are people in everybody's lives that are willing to check up on them. Not mm -hmm. everybody has that, which is a huge factor in mental health issues, depression, and suicide. Also, the hotlines are also used as a resource. Um, I myself have had to use it for friends who have told me things. I feel like they're in immediate danger. They might not want to call it, but I've called myself. So it could be a resource for you to reach out for a friend to a professional who might be better equipped. It's fine if you don't know how to handle it in that situation, but don't pretend like you do or try to just make up for it because you could be in the way of them getting the help that can actually help them because you might be doing more damage than good. If someone comes to you and they're like, I think I'm, I feel like I'm going to commit suicide. Don't say like, oh no, you shouldn't do that. Don't. You have so much to live for. You might just be making them feel worse because in their head they might think like, I know that I shouldn't do this. I know that I have other things in my life, but I just can't get out of this feeling. So by you saying, don't, don't do that, like you have so much other things to live for, you might be making them feel worse and being like, if I have all these things, why am I feeling this way? There yeah. must be something really wrong with me. You're adding guilt and exactly. shame to something that they already feel guilty and ashamed of. Exactly. Yeah. So it... Is the suicide hotline the best and the only resource? Not necessarily, but why say don't share a resource because it's not the best one? Mm -hmm. If someone was dying of thirst and you only had room temperature water, you wouldn't say don't give them that, it's not cold. Yeah. Like, it's not Gatorade. <laughs> <laughs> they need electrolytes. <laughs> it's what plants crave. <laughs> But yeah, I'm going to go back just a few topics going back to the depiction of Tyler. Um, I did like that it built to that situation, but I didn't like that it projected this myth that exists of people who get bullied become mm -hmm. school shooters. Yes. Um, yeah. And it's often portrayed things like Columbine. Um, the original narrative of that was these two kids get bullied so much that at some point they can't take it and they go out and buy some guns. When you hear stories from the people who were at the school, they know these two people and they're like, no, those guys were like creepy and they were mean and they like did things that made people uncomfortable so people avoided them mm -hmm. and it can't be your responsibility to go up to someone who makes you uncomfortable just to try to help them mm -hmm. like you need to know that there are more resources or other ways other than the walk up aspect no i, I totally i totally agree with that i i didn't like the way that they depicted even physically i feel like um tyler looked like actually one of the Columbine shooters. I don't know if they did that on purpose, but he physically resembled one of them to me. 
Um, also, the other kid who was, he wasn't wanting to do this with Tyler, but he, I think, was with him in a lot of the behaviors that led up to that. The kid with the spiky black hair? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's like they took, like, okay, what is, what does a troubled teen look like? And then they just drew in. They're like, he probably has spiky hair. Mm-hmm. Probably goes to, like, rock concerts. Probably wears eyeliner. Mm-hmm. Let's just put him in there. Yeah, well, I, for me, that depiction of the, the spiky-haired guy was more the difference between someone taking on that persona because like they were doing it sort of like to be trendy um like to be sort of gothic and they were angry at what was happening in the school but also he was influencing tyler in a different way because tyler wasn't understanding that this kid was more so taking on a persona Mm -hmm. and i thought that was fun yeah i was gonna say i did appreciate when tyler um puts up the pictures of them like vandalizing stuff and that kid comes in and is like what'd you do like like i didn't want to get caught like i'm not like this big fight the power kind of guy and then he invites him to like beat someone up or shoot them and he's like no i'm not gonna do that that's Mm -hmm. crazy and tyler's like but that's what we do you know like we fight the establishment and so it was kind of nice to see them kind of get it right where it's like Yes, there are teens who might say, you know, fuck the man, I'm going to take over the government or whatever, but they're not necessarily meaning any of that. You know, that's just how some teenagers act. You know, Mm -hmm. you're rebellious. But they also showed that there are people who can take that too far because they don't understand that it's just kind of an ideology that you're not supposed to act on. Also, I, I might be remembering this wrong, but when at the dance, when Clay's like, no, don't call the police... Yeah. Why are you... (laughs) Why would you want people to say that? In their (laughs) talk back, Beyond 13 Reasons, they had... um, I forget her um, role or qualification, but she was basically an expert on this subject. And she was basically like, yeah, we would never advise anyone to run towards an active shooter. We would tell you to get out of there and call the police. And the director and the writer are just sitting next to her, like, nodding their heads, like... Yeah, I guess that does make sense. But that is literally but, uh, the opposite it, of what we had Clay it, do. It doesn't make good TV, does it? <laughs> there was one aspect of 13 Reasons Why that really frustrated me, and it was the separation of, like, teenagers versus adults. And somehow, like, over 20 teenagers have a bad enough relationship with their parents, and they're all in the same group, that they would not reach out to any adult during mm-hmm. these types of heavy subjects and it just didn't add up in my mind of like clay taking care of justin and keeping him upstairs and not telling his parents over and over again after they demonstrate so much sh- support and being like no clay you're right here let me like reward you for being right but also don't lie to us okay and then continue to lie to them like they demonstrated mm-hmm. time and time again that they would help out if a real situation arose And he kept dismissing them. And that just seemed unrealistic for that to happen so many times with so many different teenagers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they put way too much um, emphasis on the teenagers. So, like, at the trial in season two, all 13 kids and then some take the bench to testify like three adults do. Yeah. Why are you only talking to minors? (laughs) Like, talk to teachers Talk to the principal, talk to the counselor, talk to her parents. Mm -hmm. It makes sense that she left these tapes for them, and that's maybe why they 
were interested in interviewing them, but why is your focal point on children? Mm-hmm. Because it's a teenage drama. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of going off your point, you were talking about Clay, like, you know, his parents put that trust in him, and they're like, just don't lie to us, just be open with us, and he just continues to lie, and because of that kind of, I feel like, makes situations worse. I didn't like Clay very much in this season. Um, especially, I will say, the probably the character that I... The only character I could say I fully liked was Sky, and I think he was really not good to her mm-hmm. at all, he, and very selfish with like the way that he acted towards her. I think Clay had uh, like a hero complex, yes. mm-hmm. um, which if they were trying to depict that, great, but if they were just making that like this is his character and like you should be like him, that's not good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he had this mentality of I couldn't save Hannah, therefore I have to save the next person. Yeah. Um, which was sweet at the end of season one, mm-hmm. uh, and it did not go well <laughs> in season two. No. I liked Sky that they like specifically mentioned that she has this mental illness, and that's why she self-harms. But, and Ramona, you might be able to better, um, maybe I'm wrong, but I didn't like how they explained bipolar disorder. There were, um, there was a scene where they were like, yeah, you know, like, you don't know when you're in mania. And she was like, sure you do. I act real wacky. I tried to give you a hand job in front of your parents. No, that's part of it. Yeah. So it, it just seemed off to me. I don't know. No, that was, a, that was a really, I think, good depiction. Was of, it? Yeah. Cause you, it's different for everybody, but mm-hmm. some of like the hallmarks is like, um, promiscuous behavior, spontaneity, like how she just showed up to his house. Um, things like that, sneaking out, like just picking him up one day when he's like, did we talk about it? And she's like, no, let's just go. She was going through a manic episode. I kind of saw that before they even said Mm -hmm. that she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. In that, I also really liked that they made the distinction between self-harm and suicidal ideation. I think a lot of people think they're both the same. Yeah, like one leads to the other. Yes, that if you self-harm that you are suicidal. And there are a lot of kids in hospitals for things they shouldn't be because of that. I feel like uh, adults see like cuts on their kids and automatically they're like, my kid is trying to kill themselves. That's not true all of the time. Mm-hmm. It's an issue that should be addressed, but it's not. you're not addressing the right issue and you're treating them for something that they don't have. So I like that they depicted that and she straight up said like, just because I do this doesn't mean that I want to die or anything like that. It's just something that I do. And she's like, I, I don't understand it. I can't really explain it. Um, but, but, you know, that was actually a pretty, I, I, in my opinion, a good depiction of mania and, like, what that is. All right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Your move. <laughs> um, I think one thing that we should address is over the course of two seasons there were multiple sexual assault scenes um and there was one full-on suicide scene um and the dangers or the benefits of showing that in media yeah um i remember when 13 reasons why first came out everyone was talking about the last episode where you see very graphically hannah um the way that she the way that she killed herself and i was like Oh, I wonder like what that looks like, but I I wonder if people are overreacting. When I watched it, like I had to cover my eyes. It was very gruesome. I didn't watch it. Yeah. And so yeah, so when I watched season 1, I sort of defended that scene in the sense of 
it's important for people to recognize just how uncomfortable it is and the decision that was made and like the aspect of she one didn't fully recognize what she was doing and two it wasn't something that she was excited to do or happy to do um but over the course of the year as season two came out i did end up doing a lot of research on like how you should depict suicide and how you should address mental health on media uh so something that i found was some guidelines for how the media can report suicide intelligently and it was created by uh the samaritans and it has a list of ways to depict suicide and they mention don't provide technical details never suggest that a method is quick easy painless or certain to result in death avoid dramatic headlines terms like suicide epidemic or hotspot avoid sensationalist pictures or video avoid excessive detail avoid using the word commit don't describe deaths by suicide as successful don't publish suicide notes don't publish on the front page and don't ignore the complex realities of suicide and its impacts on those left behind mm-hmm. and when I uh, got to that list and I thought back to season one, I was like, wow, they uh, ignored a lot of those yeah. guidelines. They, they basically showed me how yeah. in that scene. Um, going off that, um, there was an article written by someone at crack.com. Um, I don't know if this is the actual article title, but it's along the lines of like the nine best ways to kill yourself. And then if you actually read the article, it's like, reaching out helpfully to like those that might have googled how to mm-hmm. how to kill myself and then they find that article yeah. and then when they read it like hopefully it's like oh like i don't have to make yeah. i don't have to do this um so yeah i think the idea of showing her um doing it is very dangerous of like someone who's watching it and going through something might be like oh yeah like that mm-hmm. that could work and I think too with that, I didn't. I didn't watch that scene. I saw kind of the um, little snippets they had of in season two. I didn't watch the full scene since season one, because not out of anything triggering or anything like that. Just for the principle of it, they only did that for shock and awe and for entertainment purposes. And I feel like again, when you're making a show off the premise of trying to help people going through these issues and starting a conversation to gain more awareness. And to do some depict something like that that a isn't really accurate it's i feel like whenever in a show especially when it has to do with teenagers and with females you see them slitting their wrists in a bathtub that rarely ever happens that's one of if i read a study once at school about um prevalence between males and females that kind of committing is because they say even though you say see it in shows all the time rarely rarely ever happens is one of the ways that it least happens because it's it's a lot of energy and it's it's very slow it's very mm. it's, it's agonizing really and if anything that's not how females females at least do that but i feel like in shows whenever it's a female that's how it is because it's more it looks more dramatic and i feel like to that's just that's all they were trying to do they were trying to be like because everyone heard about it, they're like, they show it happen at the at the last episode. And then everyone's like, so everyone's oh, like I, I want to see it. Right. I feel um, like it's 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 wrong. I think it's really really wrong. And I didn't watch it for that purpose. I was like, I'm not gonna 
feed into this because they just want people to watch. I will say that does kind of help their argument of Alex, you brought up before the idea of romanticizing um, suicide and you, well, when you brought up the scene mentioned um, that they show that it is like, it doesn't look good and it's very difficult and awkward and uncomfortable. So I think it like, I don't know. Like I know where you're going. Yeah. yeah. In, in one aspect, like people are saying that they're romanticizing it, but in this scene and in many other scenes, they're depicting it and they're expressing it explicitly because they don't want anyone to misinterpret like, no, this is a bad idea kind of yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. And they do follow up with the mother and father coming home and checking in to see where Hannah is. And they have a good two to three minutes of the mother's reaction to finding their daughter, which I think adds to the taking away that accusation of romanticizing it. Mm -hmm. Um, but not overall, because again, that was only in one episode. Yeah. But either way, I feel like no matter how they would have, I felt like they they picked the most gruesome way to do it. And I feel mm -hmm. like no matter how, what method they would have used, I don't think it still would have been romantic. It's still not nice either way, even if, you know, they showed her hanging herself. I think no one's going to think like that's a pretty way to do it. So I feel like it, that them picking that method and that way to depict it, I don't think in their head was, we have to make sure that this doesn't look good to make people think that we're trying to romanticize something because no matter which way they showed it that it looked that's good. true but i what i'm getting at is they showed it to show that like it's not something to be romanticized even though the entire season was mm -hmm. like could arguably have been said to romanticize it not that specific way mm -hmm. but the fact that they showed it happen mm -hmm. and you we also want to keep in mind the idea that suicide is contagious uh, it's called the Werther effect, and there is this aspect of once it's once people are talking about it, and once people give it a lot of attention, it does start becoming more and more of an option for some people. Just like um, divorce, if uh, families are going through something, but they have like really strong, a very specific morality of we shouldn't divorce, but then you see friends and family divorcing, all of a sudden it becomes more and more of an option. So that's something that you do want to keep in mind while you're depicting these types of things. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Please tune in next week when we talk about perks of being a wallflower and book-to-movie adaptations. If you liked us, find us on Twitter and Instagram at 2 underscore bald men, and find us on Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you all so much again, and if you were driving, we hope you got to your destination safely and on time. 